that walk, that walk, that walk. Keep rolling, 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 rolling. Keep rolling, 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 rolling. Keep rolling, rolling. This is Walk and Roll Live. This is Walk and Roll Live. A podcast dedicated to the disabled community, sharing stories of courage and triumph, joy and discovery, and everyday successes and challenges. Now, here are your hosts, Doug Vincent and Eric Aguilar. Hello and welcome to Walk and Roll Live. I'm Doug Vincent, along with Eric Aguilar. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it very much. We want to encourage you to like, follow, subscribe, share, you know, all that good stuff. And a reminder that we give non-expert opinions on this show, right? We're just a couple of guys with something to say, whether it uh, is important or anything, we don't know, but... So how was your week? I like to always start off with that question. You have a good week? So far, my week has started off with a bit of a bang. Like uh, yesterday when I was exercising on my uh, portable exercise uh, bike, yeah. when I sat back in my chair, my chair went all the way back, almost to the floor, just the back part of the chair. And I thought I was going to fall with it. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. So it went so all the way back, like, but oh. you didn't fall? Uh-uh. And I didn't even set it to go back in the first place. <laughs> so. So what I did was, oh, no, no, this chair is going out of use right now. <laughs> yeah. because, um, I got it at the Goodwill for $12 at the time. Can't they were having some problems then. And then the, the trick was there were some parts that were missing on the inside. And then there was a part that was wore down to the nub that all we could really do was temporarily fix it. Like, you know, somehow weld the part, weld the part that was missing onto it because the part that was missing was completely uh, dismantled and worn down. So I went on to the marketplace uh, on the internet and actually found a, a replacement chair that I'm using right now for 20 even nice. here, in, uh, right, here where I live in Fontana. And since the guy was nearby, he was nice enough to drop it off for me instead of picking awesome. it up. Awesome. But before that, I vacuumed my in-laws' uh, car uh, last Sunday as, as, a, as a gesture, and now she's, got a, now she's got a clean car. But anyway, after the after I was done doing that part, my vacuum that I had also broke. Oh, <laughs> I knew it was a ma- I knew it was a matter of time because you know the charger that was charging it was starting to wear out. The dome was starting to crack, and I had that vacuum, you know, even before COVID. Oh, so and you I got said, a lot of good what? use out of it. It's time to get a new, a new a new a new vacuum. Anyway, I mean the warranty was expired. It was good for only two years. But the great news is my new vacuum will be here first thing on Saturday or Friday, depending on how early it comes from Amazon. Oh, so you, you already purchased one. L- let, me, let me share this with you. Um, there's a group in addition to Marketplace. There's uh, groups on uh, Facebook. It's called uh, Buy and Sell Nothing. Have you heard those? Heard of that? So there's. No, but I imagine it's similar. Yeah. So they're, 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 they're the page like that and they're in specific neighborhoods. So like you might have a Chino buy and sell so it's it's kind of like that area just around you that you and you you either give away or or you receive things there's no charging there's no pay involved so you know i've gotten i say gotten rid of but you know there's things that i don't want the hassle of selling it and all that stuff so i just put it up on there and, and arrange for somebody to come by and i just put it out in the driveway and they come by and they grab it and they pick it up and, and then you can go on there and look for things. You know, you can put an ISO is the term in search of. So people will go on there and say, I'm in search of an office chair that doesn't, you know, back up and try to kill me, you know, that kind of thing. So 
Yeah. So, <laughs> or a vacuum cleaner. I think I gave away a couple of vacuum cleaners that I had. I don't know how I ended up with like three or four vacuum cleaners at one time. Like, why do I have all these? So, yeah, go ahead. Because the vacuum cleaner that I use is charged up by USB. It takes four hours for it to fully charge, and it's good for 30 minutes. And I originally got it for the computer, but then I found out the use for it. You know, like, I can use the vacuum, you know, to get to those um, hard, hard places to vacuum in. You're a cleaning machine. And what's, and what's really cool about these, the particular vacuum is that if it gets too hot, it shuts off automatically as a safety feature. Uh-huh. I have a, um, a room full of uh, portable and multifunctional uh, gadgets and inventions. You know, I'm kind of like the Batman or Inspector Gadget of my house. Yeah. Don't get me started. I'm a, I'm a gadget so guy, too. I, uh, <laughs> so every time I pull out a, a contraption of some sort, that was thinking like, hey, what is he up to this time? <laughs> Uh, gadgets are great. Sometimes. Yes. So, um, I, I've kind of had a heck of a week too. I, I have to get there. There's like a small intermittent leak and it, it, with all the rain we had this past year, um, it it showed up a couple of times. Just, I mean, like not even drips. It just kind of got the ceiling wet in my dining room. And so I had a roofer come out and, you know, he, he repaired the, he identified and repaired, you know, what we thought. And and then I had the contractor come out and fix the, and patch the place where it leaked. And then before he could get a chance to come back and sand it and paint it and all that, I noticed there was another wet spot. I'm like, what the heck? So anyway, I thought, okay, I got to really address this. So I have solar panels. So I have to get the solar panels removed have the roofer come out, put the roof on, you know, and, and repaper it. And then solar company has to come back and put the solar panels back on. So I, I kind of was waiting for it to quit raining so I could finally do this. And so I finally, I, I address it. I, 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 I sign the contract, all that. I get the solar company and make an appointment to have them come out, which was supposed to be last Friday. I was supposed to be having the roof worked on today or no yesterday. Uh, but I set up the appointment and then all of a sudden I get an email midweek last week that says that they canceled that appointment without consulting me and said, and we've, we've contracted with a new solar company to remove them. And I have to wait for them to call me. So, so now I have to call the roofer and say, uh, I still have to make an appointment, you know, I'm going to postpone. So I'm back right where I was two weeks ago. I have no idea when I'm going to get my roof fixed and all that. So, and I, you know, I've, I've already given them a, a bad review. They, the people on the phone have been terrific with this organization. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just kind of an ongoing, you know, how it is when you're dealing with stuff with your home, you know, you're at the mercy of, of these folks. And then also I, um, I, I'm trying a new diet. I've, I've, I found this and I read up about it and I, and I feel like it'll kind of help me and, and work well with me. So I'm just, I'm day two trying. It's called intermittent fasting. Have you ever heard of that? Oh yes. Yeah. So it's just basically you, you only eat in an eight hour period. And then you don't eat 
the rest of that time. So 16 hours. So I basically have dinner and then I don't eat again until lunch. So I'm kind of seeing how this works. So far, it's so good. It hasn't been bad. You know, I just get up and have my coffee and, and I can drink coffee, tea, or water with no additives. And that's it. So my, uh, but you know, the, the thing is, I love breakfast. So I don't want to miss breakfast. Yeah. So I think I'm going to have breakfast for lunch going forward. Breakfast, well, is the, breakfast is the most important meal of the day, Doug. Like uh, when it comes to me, I try to keep my appetite control as much as I can. But after I work out, I feel like I can eat anything as much as I'd like. And uh, at the same time, though, I make sure I, I eat the right stuff to the right stuff within reason. Like, like I said, like instead of me getting two burgers, why not just give me a double? That just just one double alone will fill me up instantly. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what I've been doing for years. You know, it's I, I mean, I, I I'm not the healthiest guy in the world eating, but but you know, I mean, I eat vegetables. I've always loved vegetables. Even when I was a kid, I was weird. I liked everything. I liked spinach, but you know, so and I eat. I've cut back the red meat. I eat chicken breast, you know, lean protein. I eat brown rice and, you know, and, and I've gotten away from sodas. I even got away from juice, fruit juice. You know, I find out that's got a lot of sugar in it. So I don't even drink fruit juice anymore. All these things. And, and I still kind of slowly but surely have gained weight. So when I look into this, you know, I find out that, you know, it goes back to our ancestors and how we were hunter gatherers and there was long periods where, we may not find, you know, something to eat. So our body is adapted to those periods. And so it'll speed up your metabolism. And uh, th- there's a host of things that, you know, it's a very slow kind of steady weight loss and, and all that. So we'll see how it goes. Like I say, day two, but uh, I think it'll, I, I think it'll, you know, how difficult sometimes it is to, is to adhere to a diet. Cause a lot of times there's special Foods, you know, there's of course all the Weight Watchers and all those that have meal prep, and you know, I, I don't care what they say, I've never seen those meals look that good, you know, a pre-prepared meal, and you can eat the just whatever you eat when you can eat, you know, in that eight hours when you're eating, you just eat the stuff that you normally eat, you know. The only thing they caution is don't, you know, don't overeat to compensate for when you're not eating, and I don't think I'll have any problem with that, so. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Like a lot of the times I'm busy uh, roll, uh, running around sometimes that I forget to uh, eat. And it gets to the point where I have to actually schedule my eating time. Be like, okay, I know I'm going to be real, real busy you know, doing this and that. Let's let's uh, move my lunch to 3 o'clock to be on the safe side. And a lot of my diet consists of, you know, chicken and uh, yeah. fish. And I, like, and I like turkey a lot, especially in my sandwiches during yep. the day. Yep. I'm trying to get as strong and healthy as I could possibly be now that I'm getting older because I do have a family history of diabetes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's the kind of things I eat. I mean, I, I don't have the, you know, 64 ounce big gulp four times a day. You know, uh, I don't do some of the things that I see people doing. So that it's a little frustrating, you know, it's like, why am I, you know, why, why, why can't I, and, and I've cut, and I've done this for years. You're talking about a burger, you know, if, if I do have, and I used to have fast food more, when I was working, of course, because just a lot of times it's convenient, you know, uh, but now that I'm retired, I maybe once a week, I might, you know, be in a situation where I'll, I'll go, but I get, I don't get the big, you know, Whopper or something. I get the junior, I get the, 
I'll go to McDonald's. I just have a, a, you know, a single little cheeseburger with a few fries and iced tea, you know? So I, I don't know. All right. Well, enough of that. Never that, never that. So we've got a uh, wonderful guest today, uh, somebody that uh, uh, Eric has brought to the table. An interview with Cynthia Dion with the Center for Innovation and Resources. What is the Center for Innovation and Resources? Well, stay right where you're at. We're going to find out here in just a second as we come to you live from the Aguiar Professional Training Studio. Uh, you know, we were on their uh, podcast uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's, no, it's Instagram Live. I think is what we were on, right? Yeah. Um, have four segments on on Instagram, uh, and I, I want to have them maybe come on and probably do a longer segment at some point. But I wanted to have them uh, on just to do something brief, three, four, five minutes, something like that, to explain what their services are. You know, they've been so kind to support us, and I thought we'd give you a better idea than just the commercial. What what really they do it, it is it's awesome it's you know team building and and uh and like uh i think uh building a culture you know within an organization bringing out the strengths of the people that are in the organization that kind of thing but we'll we'll have them on at some point and uh and uh have them explain a little bit more in depth about what they do all right stay right there we'll be right back go ahead and get some coffee folks Aguiar Professional Training offers comprehensive organizational development and organizational effectiveness services for corporations, nonprofits, educational institutions, and individuals. What they do is improve work environments in key areas, such as performance management gaps, group interactions, morale and trust building, and team dynamics, to name just a few. Using a strength-based approach in conjunction with individual or group coaching, all of the strategies have produced significant results. APT also assists with managing change, improving work processes, training, and management of human capital. Learn more at agarprofessionaltraining.com. A-G-U-I-A-R professionaltraining.com. <laughs> Welcome back to Walk and Roll Live. I am Doug Benson with my my buddy Eric Aguilar. How you doing? Another another Tuesday. We gather here to learn more about the disability community. Uh, we've talked to a, a number of of individuals over the last few weeks, but we like to get some of the organizations that are working in the community on from time to time as well. So uh, I'll let you uh, inter- interview our, or uh, introduce our guest. Because I think uh, you guys uh, have been kind of collaborating on some things. I think you're taking some classes, right, Eric? So, Good morning, my friends. I'm Eric Giggler. I am one of the uh, advocacy leaders in training for this particular organization, uh, Center Information Resources Incorporated. We have a very cool guest today. Her name is Cynthia. She's the project coordinator for that particular organization. Welcome aboard, Cynthia. Thank you so much. Well, hello. Good morning to both of you. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about uh, Center Information Resources Incorporated. Like, you know, uh, where did it come from and what are the uh, services for the organization? So CIR, 
um, the Center for Innovation and Resources Incorporated. We have more than a decade of experience providing training, technical assistance, specifically in the realm of child abuse intervention. So for our organization, well, we first started focusing on being advocates for victims. <clears throat> and our first, or should I say love, the first focus is child abuse intervention, treatment services provided throughout California and across the country. Um, our mission is just our is that our training center provides professionals with evidence-informed practices and strategies to improve the safety and well-being of children, families, and communities. But we've grown from there. So um, Coming from looking at children, abuse intervention, we also have projects that focus on um, vital re relational health, initial child interview training, the child forensic interview training, California Trauma Informed Care Academy, underserved populations training project, um, enough abuse prevention campaign, the Center for Missing and Abducted Children's Organization. And then our most recent project is with Ability Central, where um, last year we received a grant from them in that we provided three trainings for free to the public. And these were specifically for individual service providers who work with people with disabilities. Um, so those three trainings were developmental disabilities, disability responsive practices for serving people across the lifespan, Rethinking Mental Health for Neurodiversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And then the third one, Healthy Relationships, Teaching Appropriate Interactions, Boundaries, Self-Advocacy, and Identifying Coercion for People with Disabilities. So that was our grant last year. We created those trainings. We provided them for free for service providers. This year, what you're a part of, Eric, is we've expanded that grant in not only providing those trainings, but also coaching accessibility leaders, such as yourself, so, um, service providers who work in some capacity with people who are, in, who are disabled to provide these trainings, but not only provide these trainings, provide these trainings in a way that's effective, that you have effective presentation skills, and also in a way that you are showing empathy um, instead of sympathy. A lot of times when people are working with the, the disabled community, their focus is more, oh, they feel they sympathize. And we don't want it to be about sympathizing. We want it to be about having empathy and understanding where you're coming from. That's a little bit about our project and what we're doing. Wonderful. Cynthia, tell us a little bit about, um, about uh, your career in uh, CIR. So my career as CIR is actually pretty short-lived. I've only been with them for one year. My background is early childhood education. Um, so I was a preschool teacher for 13 years. I was an administrator for six years. And then after being both a teacher and administrator, I became a trainer and coach. So for 10 years, I was one of the lead early childhood trainers for an agency that contracted with the state of California's um, Department of Education. And so I provided training and coaching, not only throughout California, but in about eight other states throughout the country. So I came on to CIR because of that training experience. Um, CIR is focuses on providing training. And my um, role is one, coming in and helping to facilitate trainings, but also to make sure that we are training trainers on effective strategy. 
what I've found in giving trainings for the past, what, 12, 13 years now, is that a lot of people, when they get to the level of being a trainer, they have an agency just say, here, this is the topic we want you to train on and train. And nobody teaches them what is effective training skills, what is adult learning theory. Um, so what I've been doing and, and with the project that you're a part of, Eric, like our No More Silence training, is making sure that trainers understand what adult learning theory is and what effective training style is. Um, because we don't want to give these trainings, but do it in a way that's not effective and that do it in a way the participants aren't really going to leave understanding the material and having a grasp on the material. Um, so it's a really important aspect of providing these trainings. Can I ask you a question? Excellent. Excellent. Go ahead, Doug. I, I'm just curious. So give us an idea of of uh, who, who you work with. Who are you training to do these training? Is, is like uh, educators, law enforcement, I can imagine. So my work with CIR, we run the gamut, right? So yeah. we do have social workers, law enforcement, district attorneys. Um, we also have mental health consultants, behavioral consultants, um, so it's it's though I would say the bulk is social work and law enforcement. However, these trainings we've been able to have a higher reach. Um, and in addition to that, I know for me, because my background is education, yeah. a lot of these I'm starting to advertise to some of the agencies that I work for because this is just as important for preschool teachers, administrators, counselors, etc., coaches to have these trainings and understand this information as well. Could you see a value to a nonprofit that uh, that offers programs and services to their participants? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, and what would that look like? What would it look like as far as the trainings? Yeah. I mean, just where, where do you think it would be effective in an organization that, you know, has programs and services? Um, you know, we have like adults, uh, some of the organizations I work with, there's some that are uh, the disabled generally. So you get a wide variety of, of uh, participants uh, and it's anything from employment to, you know, all kinds of different things. But, you know, one of the main things is advocacy, you know, for themselves and system advocacy, you know, when they see something in the community that is not being sensitive to a disability, they can, you know, affect some change. And actually, I'm going to answer that in two part because I'm yeah, going to say yeah. one, I 100 percent like that advocacy is is one of the things that we really want to work towards. And um, some of these trainings is we want to. Well, we had scheduled a few trainings that we were going to do that we ended up not being able to offer that we're hoping to be able to offer in the future. Hold on. Let me stop that. Yeah, Sorry. no problem. She's got a phone call or something coming in. It's, you know, live, live podcasting. You run into this kind just of like, thing, right? Just like on a radio show. They get right. callers. Callers. Dogs barking, you know, children I jumping mean, into the screen like we had with. Uh, always... Sorry. She is, she's back. <laughs> I muted both phones. <laughs> no problem. Um, no problem. So one of the things when, when, when we were talking about the series that we're hoping to offer sometime in the near future is one we talked about that advocacy that, that with some of the individuals that i've been working with um how do we help people advocate for themselves um, a couple of the accessibility leaders reached out to me and they talked about populations that they work with 
who they've shared that there's resources available. They're encouraging them to go out and go to do those resources. But those individuals feel either that they aren't worthy or they're nervous or they're afraid of judgment. And so they're not reaching out to get those those resources. So we really talked about how we create training to help build that confidence and know that you are worth getting these resources, right? And advocating for yourself. Um, and so that's that's one aspect. Another aspect that as you were talking, I was thinking how we're looking to, to build this is what we looked at is a lot of agencies will say, oh, we'll hire somebody who's disabled. We'll accommodate you when you come in. But the thing is, one, do you realize what you need to change in your agency to really make sure that you're accommodating. And what I mean by that is I'll give an example for me in early childhood. I go to, to preschools and I'll look at their environment and I rate their environment using an internationally acclaimed system. And being a fully able person, I've gone into classrooms, this exact same classroom actually, because I've worked with this agency for four years, where I marked off that they were, if they had a child with a disability, they had those accommodations in place, right? They had a ramp coming into the classroom, or they have a, a bathroom that's big enough for a child with a wheelchair. Well, last year, a child came in in a wheelchair, and when I did their environment rating scale, I saw that I had been saying that they were um, an accommodating facility, when in reality, I saw a lot of things happen for that child that it wasn't accommodating. He had a hard time maneuvering around the preschool classroom. Um, The outside environment had wood chips and he's able to get off his wheelchair to climb up the stairs to go down the slide, but it was hurting his hands, it was hurting his knees. And so he, it wasn't, the same type of environment as it was for the other children. So what I worked with the administrator and the teacher, and we changed the environment so it is fully accommodating. And to see the change in this child's confidence level, in his just feeling of inclusion in the classroom was a huge difference. And so I'm using that as an example because if we turn around to any type of agency, if you're working in, an, in, a, in a building that you think is fully accommodating or an office environment that you think is fully accommodating, but you only have individuals that are fully able, how do you see what needs to be changed? Yeah. Right? Well, you know, so, and even on top of that, Cynthia, and we talk about this a lot here, is that, you know, the, the, the disabled community is like snowflakes, even within the same kind of disability, you know, each individual has different kind of needs. So, there's no boilerplate, you know, accommodations that you could make on any facility. And and that's okay. You know what I mean? It's so I don't fault those people that did their best. You know, they just weren't presented with the individual that needed something, a little something else, you know. And I guess for us, what we're what we want to help is open everybody's eyes to that. Yeah. Because yeah. especially if you're in a in a building or environment where everybody's fully abled what what do you need to do to change it so that you can see what needs to be changed instead of waiting till somebody's in that environment one yeah. and two how is your culture 
because now you can make all those changes, but then you may have somebody come in that needs a longer time to process during meetings or that might need a write-up of something uh, during the meetings and you don't typically do that. So how do you change the culture of the agency as well? So it, it is welcoming um, and everybody has this same accepting idea in their head. Yeah. And, and is that something you guys facilitate? Yeah. Yes. Awesome. That's what we, that's that, those are, that's what we're like to move towards is providing those type of trainings so that mm -hmm. there's a more reflective piece. Um, and it isn't just going through the motions. It's actually changing the beliefs of the agency and the values and the culture as well. Yeah. That is awesome. Cause I, I know that, you know, if you work in the field, you, you know, you're, you're aware of this is uh, the person centered training and, and, and that's what we, because I, I volunteer at what's called a independent living center. And, and that's one of the, the most important words in our mission statement. You know, we help people with disabilities live the most important life of their choice and choice. I always tell people, because, you know, to your point, people will sympathize with somebody and they, and they, they start to make decisions for somebody who's disabled and, uh, instead of getting their opinion and working with them to solve a problem. You know, they want to rush in and they feel like they need to kind of take over. And, and you know, so we that's one of those strongest points, I think, of advocacy is be an advocate for yourself. You know, speak up. You know, what do you want? What do you want to do? Do you want to, you know, what does independent look independent living look like for you? You know, not yeah. somebody else. You know. And that goes for parents, too. You, yeah. you know, sometimes the parents won't let their child make those decisions. You know, even in a conversation, they you know, we'll have our, our, and this is where, you know, maybe your training can help is uh, our staff members. You know, we, we train them to, you know, if they're in a meeting with a participant, with their parent, they ask the participant a question, the parent will answer, you know, to the point where you almost have to, you know, gently remind them. And if they, that doesn't work, you have to come up with strategies to invite them to, you know, leave the room so they can have a private conversation, you know, because sometimes these are adults, children, even, you know, so, you know, those are all things that, you know, you have to work on. And, and, and we get staff in new all the time that, that may not have a lot of background in the field and, and we could use training. So yeah, I'm just, looks like a great resource. And I think like coming back to your point, it's not even always just parents. Like it could even oh, be. Oh, no, it's everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because we don't have the patience and we feel like we need to talk for them when how unempowering i'm trying to think of a better a better word but how yeah. unempowering is that you know yeah. yeah you know it's this is silly but i this is one of those examples that it's it's so minute but it's like you say you know if you're an able-bodied person you would never you know you know you could easily overlook it and it is overlooked many times you know, you, they go through the trouble of, you know, of having the larger stall so you can turn around and you can, you know, but then you go to put your, your backpack up and the hook is at the height of an able-bodied person. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and exactly. so, so they, their heart was in the right place. You know, they're, they were making all the accommodations, but you just know that their mind isn't thinking the way, you know, a disabled person would, you know, you know, so you kind of need that input to, to, to see those little nuances. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, tell us more about the training that Eric's in. So the training that the process that Eric's going through, um, the first part was watching those three trainings. So we recorded those three trainings. We put them in modules so that there was a test that we divided each training into three parts. So all of the accessibility leaders needed to watch those three trainings and then take a test. There's like three different quizzes throughout the training because what Eric and the other accessibility leaders will do is they're going to take those trainings and they will, we want them to be, have fidelity to the content. So focus on the same content, but make it their own in that make whatever tweaks that those trainings will be able to be presented to whoever you serve. So whoever Eric works with, whatever populations that he trains, he will make changes to these trainings that are specific to those service providers. Gotcha. Um, so that first step was to watch the, the modules, um, take the quizzes and pass those modules. There a second step after that was to watch, there was two other trainings um, that were offered. One of them was inclusive trauma, the other one was our No More Silence training, and the No More Silence was about effective training skills. And so we wanted them to, we wanted, one, we want them to be able to look at other trainings to not just have to provide these three trainings. Um, we also wanted them to have training on what is effective of strategies. What is the best way to create engagement? How do you make sure that you are speaking to your adult learner and that they're going to leave with the most inf information. Um, and so now Eric's gone through all of that. And this next step now is for him to develop his training based on one of those three modules and then provide code. I provide coaching to him as we go through the next few months. Um, in September, we will have a panel, and this is a panel with a facilitator and five individuals in the disability community who have different disabilities. And it's a two hour long panel. We want all of the accessibility leaders to join because it kind of goes back to our, as a service provider, what are things to think about when you work with somebody who has a disability? So we wanna hear their stories and what they've encountered, both positive and negative, and how their needs can be better met from the service providers that they encountered. Because um, that goes back to our empathy instead of sympathy, whereas making sure that the accessibility leaders have this information, uh, um, hear from the community so that when they give their training, because then between October and December, the accessibility leaders will provide their training in which I'll observe, and it will be to whatever community they train um, and then they'll get a, a certificate saying that they've passed and they can provide these trainings to their community. Gotcha. So it sounds like this this is probably ongoing too. It's, it's an ever-evolving process, right? It is. So this is the second year we've gotten this grant. We're hoping, fingers crossed, that we get it again for the following year. And every year we would like to expand it, add to it, um, goes back to CIR is actually a tiny little nonprofit agency. We have an office in Southern California and an office in Northern California. Really? Um, yeah, I don't even think we have 10 individuals employed. I'd have to count all of us, but we're wow. very small. I mean, because um, it sounds like you have, I mean, with all the programs that you've listed and 
you know, the the area you're talking about the entire United States. I'm I'm thinking this is huge, but but like most nonprofits, it's a very kind of a few core group, some volunteers, I imagine, you know, trying to to affect all this change and and do the work. Wow. And we don't do, we actually aren't the ones giving the training. We have service providers give the trainings. But how we see it is that if we have people like Eric go through a process such as this, Mm. our impact is going to be even greater. Right. Um, So that's why we're hoping to build this and expand it as much as possible to have a greater impact. So, And I I hate to back all the way up to the beginning, but I'm curious, um, like, where was the need identified? How was that kind of inception of this whole organization started? I mean, who identified that there was a need? How did that come up? Do you know? That I don't know. Um, yeah. Although can go on to the website. Let's just look at the mission and history. Again, remember, I've only been there, for, been here for a year. So yeah, I'm still gotcha. No, no, no worries. That always fascinates me, you know, because obviously with any organization, somebody at some point said, look, you know, that's that's an unfulfilled need there. You know, I think we can fill that, you know, and and I can imagine, especially with your, you know, the programs where you're helping law enforcement, you know, there might have been some outcomes that didn't happen positively because somebody interviewed somebody in the wrong way and let a bad guy get away, right? Well, absolutely, and that is one of the, I've attended, because one of the biggest um, trainings that we provide is the mm-hmm. child forensic interview training, and I've attended more than one of those. Um, and again, that's not my background, right? So I, I facilitate yeah. the training as far as I help the trainers set up the environment, the materials, etc. But once they actually train, I'm in the back listening as, and a part of it, and I've more than once the trainers have shared that, you know, certain ways that questions are asked, especially if they're in a leading way, you know, if what if it's asked and then it comes out in court, like you said, those bad guys can get away. So so it's making sure that you're asking um, and interviewing in a way that it's not just the interview right now, getting that information, but knowing that if that interview is recorded or et cetera, used in court it's it's going to hold up still as well yeah, yeah. i was gonna say i'm very uh, proud to be a part of this organization it's gonna make me a more equipped and even better instructor tomorrow than i was when i walked in and when it comes to uh trains with people with uh, disabilities i always want to lend my ears because you know teaching people with disabilities is my passion in life that's why it's great to have him here you know we, we uh, our paths crossed and you know, I've, I've done this and wanted to do this for years, and and uh, but I wanted to do it with somebody. So, you know, Eric just kind of came into my life, and I thought that'll work. It took me a while. I'm, you know, you know, I, I'm kind of um, not not mad at myself, but I'm like, why did what did why didn't that dawn on you earlier? You know, after why did it take so long? Kind of a yeah, thing. yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's been great. Is there is there anything that you'd like to share with us that we didn't ask about? Um, just that if, in, if individuals want to come on our website, we have not just trainings available. So sometimes we, so what I'm sharing is a small portion, right? I've talked about okay. like different 
things that we have, but I focused more on our Ability Central project and the trainings that we are offering for Ability Central. Yeah. But we always have trainings offered. Um, so on our website, you can find upcoming trainings, um, which currently we have not just our the panel coming up, which is stories from clients with disabilities, but we also have different chains. Like for example, we have best practices for investigating, locating and recovering abandoned children, um, bumps in best practice, international pre-conference and child and family maltreatment. All of those are trainings coming up. Some of these trainings are for free. In addition to that, we also have recorded trainings available on our website. So if like some of the trainings that I talked about that we offered previously or the trainings that the accessibility leaders observed, anybody can go in and view these trainings. Um, and in addition to those trainings, we also have different resources and downloadable resources as well. So are the trainings virtual or in-person or, or a hybrid? Both, yeah. actually. Yeah. So we have quite a few, especially because of COVID and because we're a nonprofit, we could reach more and yeah. it's less expensive when it's virtual. So we have quite a few virtual trainings. They're always recorded. Um, and then we try to make them available. And then we do have in-person trainings. There's agencies that may specifically ask for us to come in and provide in-person trainings. So what, what kind of organizations do you work with? I, I imagine it's like a wide, wide variety, but you know, in addition to law enforcement and education, what other kind of businesses avail, avail of themselves of your services? As of right now, it, it is more typically law enforcement, social services, um, those type of agencies. Yeah. However, again, we're hoping to have a greater impact. And because just like the trainings that we're giving now, it doesn't have to be limited to law enforcement or social work. Again, yeah. these, these trainings that Eric's joined, I can give them to, to educational agencies. Um, and some of the content even that we've talked about is similar content that I've given to early childhood programs as well. Um, so is, is we're there a, to grow in that sense. Yeah, and so, well, that's what I was gonna ask. Are you, is there like a particular field that you guys would love to grow into? and you, you know, you think it would be a good fit that you haven't quite tackled yet? I think the education field, um, yeah. when we've spoken about, when I've spoken about it with the executive director and the program director, looking into especially these trainings that, that Eric's a part of, you know, yeah. it would be really good to have them in school districts. Yeah. Um, I, I'm kind of surprised that it's not. I mean, it seems like that would almost be your meat and potatoes, you know, well, to some I degree. Think well, this is because we've gone from more looking at child abuse and gotcha. specific children as being victims or sexually exploited um, individuals, whereas now we're starting to grow in bringing in disabled individuals. Um, I think that's part of it that we've just started to grow into this yeah. this aspect. Yeah, I mean, I I can see that working out a lot. Now, do you also, you know, help? say in an education the teachers identify you know signs that a child might be in danger or being abused or do they do that separately say of an organization like you 
Yeah, I don't believe as far as CIR, those trainings are not offered um, in educational environments. For me, as an early childhood educator, those were actually classes that I took in college because being a teacher, you are a mandated reporter. Mm -hmm. Um, So all teachers should have taken that class. Like it's an actual class, a three unit semester course. Gotcha. Very good. Very good. Thank you for sharing all that with us. Eric, you have anything else before we quit harassing her? No, I was just going to say, thank you so much for coming on the air with us, Cynthia. This is very, very, very informal information. And I'm hoping that we'll grow together even in the near future. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm excited that you're a part of this whole project with us, Eric, and that I'll be able to see you train soon. And once we get through with that, I'm hoping to train others and coach them just like you did with me. Very good. So how do people get a hold of this of CIR? So our website is CIR.org, CIRINC.org. Okay, easy, um, easy. So again, that's CIRINC.org. On our website, you can actually find out who we are, our staff and board area, as well as our contact information. Um, I also can be contacted. My email is my name. Cynthia dot Dion at C I R I N C dot org. And beautiful. To- <laughs> we have email, a you go on our website. Yeah. Yeah. We have a website, walk and roll live.com. We have a resource page. So I'll put a link on the page uh, for CIR as well. So you can find it there. Try to have that up by the end of today. Perfect. Thank All you right. so much. Thank you. Thank you. You've been very informative and I appreciate you spending time with us here on Walk and Roll Live. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. It's been great. You're welcome. Hey, so what's a great way to spread awareness that driving high is illegal everywhere? A catchy song, of course. You can run, but you can't drive high. You can run, but you can't drive reminder don't drive high if you feel different you drive different brought to you by nitsa and the ad council welcome back folks i'm your pal eric Giggler. i'm here with my buddy Jed we're here walk and roll live and uh, you know i want to touch on a few things here real quick before we go too much further uh you know thank you again for listening we really appreciate it and please tell your friends family all that and uh, like and share and uh, and uh, subscribe follow you know whatever your uh, podcast provider calls it and we're on spotify our Art radio um i want to say thank you of course to all of our listeners in the united states but uh, i was just uh, looking at the statistics got some more listeners in the united kingdom thank you for listening and also Mexico. So thank you. Appreciate that very much. And uh, also, I don't think we've mentioned it here before, but there is a Facebook page too, Walk and Roll Live. Uh, check it out on Facebook and and like and follow that, and we'll put up some stuff there. And again, I don't know if we've said this in a while, but um, if you have any ideas for a show, if you'd like to be on the show and tell your story, great. You can email us at warlive at walkandrolllive.com. W-A-R-L-I-V-E at walkandrolllive.com. That's all one word. And that's it. So 
Um, you got anything coming up this week? Uh, hopefully, you won't have any more catastrophes. Other than uh, the Loma Linda Possibility Mixer, that's going to be both uh, hybrid and virtual still. It's usually about the third uh, Wednesday of the month. It's located at the Loma Linda Possibilities Office. What we do is, uh, before COVID, we used to have uh, lunch and swap around and uh, share our stories around the table. And I really enjoy listening to other people's stories because everybody here has a backstory. And as I hear the stories, you know, I always, you know, ask myself every single day, what do I got to complain about? Right. Yeah. And that's uh, that's this Wednesday, right? So it'll be tomorrow. It's Wednesday at 12 o'clock. Yeah, we're talking, Tuesday, to, 12 talking from, uh, to one from, uh, 12 to one. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, uh, we're talking to you. I just want people to give point of references, you know, because the podcast you could be listening to any day or time. Uh, this is August 15th, 2023. And it's tomorrow. But like uh, Eric says, third Wednesday of each month. Right. Yes, sir. Yeah. And it's at uh, Possibilities Office in Loma Linda. What was that address? Do you know the address? I don't know the address. I just know that it's across from the uh, rehabilitation center, right next to the pharmacy on the first floor. Okay, yeah, and it, and, and they had their first one since COVID last uh, month that was live and a good turnout. There was actually more people live than there had been in the in the Zoom call. So that was very encouraging. Yeah, I was on it uh, on the Zoom call, but and I don't think I can make it this week. I got to, I don't know, this, this week is turning out to be busy. One of the things this week is the, um, uh, the gala, the, um, um, taste of independence from rolling start is this Thursday again, August 15th. And that's going to be this, this Thursday, August 17th at the Orton, Orton uh, hall at law at rivers at Redlands at the university of Redlands. Yeah. University at Redlands. So, uh, it starts at six o'clock a bunch of great food. We're going to be recognizing some wonderful people. So uh, if you can make it out, we'd love to see you. And next week we have a representative with disabled rights, California. Mr. Eric Harris is going to uh, join us. So uh, we'll jump into that. Uh, once again, thank you from Yar professional training for hosting the studio for Eric. I'm Doug Vincent and uh, we'll see you next week. Any closing words there, my friend? And I'm Eric Aguilar, and that's the way the cookie crumbles. We'll see you later, folks. Walk and Roll Live is heard around the world at walkandrolllive.com, Podbean, and Spotify. Like us at facebook.com slash walkandrolllive. You can email us at warlive at walkandrolllive.com with comments, observations, or whatever's on your mind. Whatever's on your mind. Have a topic you'd like to hear or a guest you think would be great for the show? Let us know. Look for new episodes every Tuesday afternoon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.